today we are continuing on with our teaching series here that we have called Adventure Versus Anxiety. In this series, it comes from uh, a book by an author named Edwin Friedman, who is a person of faith, and he's also a family therapist and a leadership consultant who writes a book called A Failure of Nerve. And what he writes about is that from his studies and from his work, he says that one of the most important things that you and I all need to pay attention to are our decisions. He says that all the time we're making decisions, big decisions on big, huge things that impact. Where are we going to go to college? What's our major going to be? Should we ask this person out? Uh, Should I accept this job? He said, you know, big decisions. But he said every day we're also making a lot of little decisions some of which have become so much habit we don't even see them as decisions anymore. But we are. We're making decisions all the time. And Friedman writes that almost every decision that you and I make is made from one of two postures, he says. We're either making it from a basic posture of adventure, seeking God, what do you want to do and how can I follow you into the unknown, trusting in you to provide, or we make it from a posture of anxiety, of worry and fear. And what we've been invited to do this week is just to think some about that. We ask you to pay attention to some of your decisions and just sort of say, why do I do this? Why am I making this? Just to have a week of reflection. And today, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about this word adventure and what exactly we mean by it and what exactly it means to start moving in the direction of seeking adventure as people of faith. To do this, we're basing this series around the story of David and Goliath from 1 Samuel chapter 17. Different Sundays, we're going to look at different parts of the story of David and Goliath. And today, we're going to be looking at some of the opening verses, verses 4 through 11 of 1 Samuel 17. So it's going to come up here on the screens, and let's listen and read God's word to us today. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had greaves of bronze on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, "'Why have you come out to draw up for battle?' Am I not a Philistine, or are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, Today I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Okay. So, Today we're going to talk a bit about this idea of adventure, what we say when we're talking about adventure. Does that mean we've got to go choose some swashbuckling life that every day can't have anything ordinary or routine or boring about it because we're always just searching for what this next adventure God's calling us in? Is that what we mean by that? Well, to illustrate the fullness of this word adventure and how I'd like us to think about it today, I want to refer actually to a, a second book. It's a book by uh, an author named Donald Miller. It's a book I've talked about here before, and it's called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And it's one of the most original um, concepts for a book that I've ever read. Because what Donald Miller's doing is he's writing a story about how his life was being made into a movie. Okay, That's what the book is about. It's about how his life is being made into a movie, and it's a real story. 
Donald Miller is an author, and he had sold earlier, uh, written a book called Blue Like Jazz. And Blue Like Jazz was a story about his journey and his life and his faith and his sense of Christianity. And most Christian books do not sell at all. They, they do not make a dent on the New York Times bestseller list. But this one was different. Something about Donald Miller's book, it just started spreading, it started being read by a lot of people, it started climbing up the bestseller list, and as happens with really, um, uh, book, with books that sell really, really well, they came to some people and said, we should make this into a movie, okay? And so Donald Miller, living in Portland, Oregon, got a call saying that he was being invited to um, meet with a director and a scriptwriter to changed the book Blue Like Jazz based on his life into a movie script. And it's been made into a movie. It was released a few years ago, the movie Blue Like Jazz. So what he had to do is he had to meet with this scriptwriter and this director, and they started writing how the movie would be. And the main character, because it's based on Donald Miller's life, was Don. Okay, And they started writing it, and as they started getting to certain moments where Donald Miller had made decisions in his life, and maybe he had made a decision to like go over here and do this, when they were writing the, the movie, they said, yeah, we got to this point, but we can't write a movie where the person goes and does this. No one will go see that movie. So we're going to have Don make a different decision. And Donald Miller was like, yeah, but I didn't do that. And they're like, yeah, but no one will go see a movie about your life. So we need to go and actually write this in a way people will go and see it. So Donald Miller started reflecting on that, and the process of his reflection of his life being written to a movie is the basis for A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. Because what he started doing is he started looking at some of his decisions. He started analyzing them and going, why would I do that? And realizing that in his own words, he says, I make a lot of decisions out of fear that cause me, cause me to live a, quote, small and boring life that people don't want to see in a movie theater. And so what he did is he started saying, well, what if I started making decisions like maybe Don would do? What if I just started considering that? So one of the first things that comes along we look at as a classic adventure is that he was invited to participate in a bike race. Okay, Donald Miller, the author, not Don. Donald Miller, the author, was invited to participate in a bike race. And it wasn't just like around his block and it wasn't for fun. It was a bike race across America, starting in California at the Pacific Ocean and ending in Delaware at the Atlantic Ocean, over 3,000 miles and it wasn't like, you know, they did it in stages over 10 years. It was like every day and then camping out and then waking up and biking again over 3,000 miles, raising money to bring clean water to villages in Africa. And as soon as Donald Miller had the call inviting him to do that, he said, no. Now, it's not for the reasons that you and I would think. I can't go spend several months biking across America, right? I can't go to the session and say, hey, could I have three months off? to go biking from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean. And if, they, and if I did and they said yes, then that would fill me with all kinds of anxiety because it's like, well, what have I done that for three months they're going, yes, go. <laughs> go on a bike. Go away. That would be wonderful for you to go do that, right? You and I, most of us don't have the option, but Donald Miller's an author and he's successful. He doesn't have office hours and he can go do that. He could go bike across America, but he said no. And the reason he said no is fascinating. From his youngest years, he had been someone who was not very athletic. He had never gravitated towards doing anything active, and over time, he had become out of shape and fairly overweight. And so he had a kind of policy that anytime anyone wanted him to do something that was requiring physical activity, he just kind of had an automatic response of no, because it made him anxious to imagine doing something 
that required physical exertion, much less riding across the country. But as he sat with that decision, he was like, man, this would be one of those places that the script would be written with a different decision, right? This would be where they would have Don agreeing to do the bike race because who in their right mind could look at people in Africa and say, hey, I'm sorry we didn't bring clean water. I just really don't like physical activity. I had the time. I'm sure you understand. I just don't like bikes a whole lot. And so I decided not to do it. He goes, it's not a really a very good excuse. And so he then made, picked up the phone and called this organizing group back and said, okay, I'm going to start training and I'll give it a try. And so there's this reflection in the book about when he bikes across the country with this group and they actually make it to the other side and all the money they raise. It's this wonderful story that we would look at and go, that's an adventure, right? He kind of left this ordinary thing behind and he went and chose something amazing and that's what we got to do. But he also has other reflections that don't on the surface seem quite as adventurous. One of the other things that he learned is that out of his anxiety, he had not developed much of an ability to have close relationships, close friendships. He kept people at an arm's distance, and he went through, and he started asking people he considered good friends of his, do you think we're close? He was like, I, I think we're close. I think we're sharing a lot. Do you feel that about me? And they're like, not really. I feel like there's this wall we don't penetrate, that we don't get behind. And so Donald Miller started looking at that, and he started looking at his dating relationships and realized whenever a relationship started getting serious, that he would find a way to sabotage it and break up. He had a just nervousness and this anxiety when people started getting too close to him. Now, that doesn't sound like going on a big adventure. How do I get closer to people? But really, it is. And what he realized is that when he looked back and did a lot of work, hard work on his life, he realized that that some of that was due to the fact that when he was very young, his dad had walked out on their family, that his dad had left, and that he had been raised by a single mother, and that there was something in him that knew when people get close, at the drop of a hat, they can abandon you. And so that it is safer. I mean, you don't think this consciously, but your survival instincts kick in, and you just start learning to kind of keep people at distance. And so he started realizing it was anxiety and fear that did that, and so he needed to start leaning more towards intimacy with friends and leaning more towards sharing his life. Now, that isn't the same kind of like adventure as riding a bike across the country, but by our definitions, it is. Because a a definition of adventure in this series is where we find ourselves like in this story like Saul, where it is that we're kind of locked into anxiety and fear, where we're sort of locked into patterns and habits in our life that aren't very healthy for us or or, or, are motivated by fear, and where we start going, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to start moving past this. Maybe it's time for me to start at least moving towards it, to stand up and to not be paralyzed like Saul and the soldiers of Israel are by Goliath. When we talk about adventure, we're not talking about going and finding some new adventure that you've never dreamed of to shake up your boring life. Not that your lives are boring. I'm sure they're all very wonderful. But that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about are what are the decisions that are before us every day that we make decisions out of anxiety and what would it mean to start making different decisions on the things in front of us. It's not about going and finding something. It's about how we make decisions with what God presents to us each and every day. So what we see in this is that, is that and this is important for our, our definitions and being on the same page, this isn't a series where it's about you're either adventurous or you're full of anxiety. It's not that. And by the way, when we say anxiety, it's important to mention that we're not talking about anxiety disorders. Anxiety disorders are very real 
is a very real condition that people in this community struggle with and have been diagnosed with. And I want to be really clear, what we're not saying is make better decisions and you can get past that. We're not saying that. We're talking about the kind of anxieties that come before us each and every day, daily anxieties we have that can lock us in fear and that we can start moving and making decisions in that are different. We need both adventure and anxiety within us because anxiety in a healthy way stops us from understanding that adventure is recklessness, right? Like what the, the point of this series is not at the end that we're all going to go bungee jumping on a Wednesday afternoon off the Chase Tower in downtown because we're just crazy adventurous people. That's what we do at Covenant. We're crazy, right? That's illegal, and you'll get arrested. It's not a good thing. That's not the point of what we're saying. It's not about being reckless and inventing some sort of adventure. So anxiety can keep our, our, our recklessness in check, but it's about identifying, and this is why we asked you to do that this week, what decisions are we making and where are we locked like Saul and the soldiers of Israel, which are described by two words, in fear and in dismay? Where does that describe us? That's why we asked you just to reflect on that this week. And when we do that, we'll realize that the, adv- the adventure is seeing where anxiety is paralyzing us and having the decision to move towards it trusting what God's going to do with it. So that means that what looks like adventure on the surface might be really different from one person to another. You might hear Donald Miller and go, well, that seems kind of silly that he had anxiety about his his physical uh, stamina, or it seems silly that his his dad walking out uh, kept people at bay. But that's his story. And the adventure he went on wasn't that one was more of an adventure than the other. It was moving towards those anxieties and going, okay, let's see what God wants to do with this. Both were equally adventurous. So, some, for, for some of you, I know that what this series, because I've had conversations with many of you this week, that some of what this is going to bring up is, is in areas like maybe our vocation, what we do for a job. I know because there are some of you who, when we get into this, are like, oh, this kind of, this, this series makes me nervous because it sort of pokes at one of those sensitive spots for me that maybe what I'm doing with, with my job isn't exactly what God wants me to do, right? And, and the idea of even thinking about making a big life change fills me with anxiety and nervousness because everything in my life is stable, right? Everything makes sense. Everything's in a box. Everything's put together. Everything's provided for. And it just fills me with worry that God may want me to do something really, really different. But God may want you to. And this series, we want you to just ask the question. I'm not saying God does want you to, but this is the time we want you to ask the question, well, maybe we need to move towards that anxiety. That seems like the classic adventure. But for some people, the adventure is going to be that you're not today. And the job that you dreamed of doing your whole life, that everyone would recognize what a success you are. But the job you have right now is exactly the job God wants you to have. That the adventure and the anxiety is sitting there going, I can't believe this is what I'm doing in my life, and I don't know if this is what everything is. But God's going, yeah, but right now for this season of life, it creates a sort of stability. It creates and provides for. It allows you to be home at 5 o'clock without having to have tons of stress and worry for you. And that just may be what God wants you to do. We have this epidemic in our country and in our culture where we find our sense of worth and identity and how successful we are and our vocations, and it's absolutely different than how God wants us to see and find value in ourselves, right? And so the adventure may be going, okay, well, I'm going to kind of lean towards this, and it may not look adventurous to the outside world at all, but it makes me anxious to think this is just my life, but I'm going to move towards it right now. 
I think it's one of the reasons it's hard for sometimes for people to retire because they're like, I just, you know, I don't know what to do, right? So I'll just keep doing this thing because at least it gives me some direction. It's one of the reasons it's hard for people to be stay-at-home dads or stay-at-home moms, right? Because people are sitting there going, I've got a degree. I've got a degree. I've got multiple degrees. And I'm spending my days with talking triangles, right? And seeing if I can drive 79 carpools and keep everything straight. This is not what I dreamed my life would be. And it fills me with anxiety and a sense of identity to understand, like, what does that mean about me and how do people see me and everything else? And the adventure might be moving towards that and going, but this is exactly how God wants you spending your time now. And the adventure is moving towards that. Even though on the outside people are going, that doesn't look like an adventure. The adventure is moving towards the thing that makes us anxious and seeing, God, what do you want to do with this? Or take this, I've had conversations about both of these this week. Where do I live, right? We're in Austin, everybody loves Austin. But there are some people who in this series like, oh, this makes me uncomfortable because I've loved life in Austin and I figured out to, how to appreciate it when it's September 20th and 180 degrees outside and thinking it's a great thing or I've learned how H-E-B works or I've learned how traffic in the city works and life is stable and it makes sense. But this pokes at this thing because I have this weird sense that God might be calling me to leave. That God might be calling me to take care of family members or God might be calling me to do something really different. And, and the idea of that makes me anxious because life here makes so much sense. And, 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 and yeah, part of the point of the series is to explore that and to see and to see what does God want rather than our anxiety going, no, I can't, I can't do that. And on the surface, that looks like the really adventurous thing, right? Like I'm, I'm going to college and I'm going to a different place and I'm cutting out of here and I'm going in a new direction, right? That looks on the surface really adventurous. And for you, it might be because it's leaning into an anxiety. But just as adventurous are people I've talked to this week who have said, I am one of those people that's always jumping at the new thing, always seeing the grass is greener somewhere else, always kind of changing things up because I keep thinking maybe this time if I just make some changes, it'll be a little different. So I go from church to church or town to town or school to school or neighborhood to neighborhood and always sort of looking. And it fills me with anxiety if we're saying that God just wants me here. I feel boxed in. I feel hemmed in. I feel like, well, this just can't be everything that I'm doing right now. But the adventure God may have for you is saying, yeah, that's exactly what I want you to do. I want you to put down some roots. I want you to build some deep relationships. I really want you to build into one another's lives. And you can't do that when you're jumping from one place to another all the time. And so the adventure for you may not look adventurous to anyone else. The adventure for you is saying, I am doing what God has called me to do right here. It's not about who in this room has the greatest story that can blow everyone away with our adventure. It's about saying, where are those places that all of us have in our lives that when we look at this, we go, God, this just, I don't like this. I'm like, I feel like Saul in the army where you have fear and you're dismayed and you're down by where this is. But rather than being paralyzed like we see them, I'm going to stand up and start moving towards it going, okay, God, if this is what you want, I'm going to see, but I need you to show up. And it could be the scariest thing you do. But it's an adventure, whether it looks like it to outsiders or not. I got permission from Beth to share this story with you real quick as we, as we finish up. And it's good that I got permission because this is one of those stories that if I didn't, there would be a lot of anxiety in my house when I went home after this. But I wanted to share with you guys somehow this is real with us and with me and in our marriage. I would not consider myself generally to be a conflict avoider. 
That's not how I would, I don't think most of the people that work with me on the staff would say, oh, Thomas, he doesn't like hard conversations. He won't have them. He won't engage them. I don't think the session would say that. I don't go looking for conflict. I don't like it. But I, I am very comfortable having hard conversations because that's how you grow. That's how you change. That's how you break into new territories, right? I don't consider myself a conflict avoider except in my marriage. Now, some of this is because where Beth and I grew up. Beth grew up in this tiny little coal mining village in Wales, and the square footage of her house was like the square footage of a chair right there. I mean, it was like tiny, and all that in their family was right there together, right? And so it developed a way of doing conflict, which is that when you have an argument, you didn't have like your own space to go to. And so you just kind of had to have it out right there, right? And so you'd have it out, you'd have this conflict, and then eventually you'd move through it together and you'd move on in a different direction. I didn't grow up like that. I didn't grow up in that kind of system. Our family's way of doing conflict growing up was that everyone would just try to act like things were okay until it started erupting, and then we would all separate. My dad would go for a drive. We would go into our rooms. We'd go over to a friend's house. And then after a while, we'd all sort of congregate back together and sort of feel each other. And it's like, okay, are we all done with this? You know, we don't need to talk about it. Uh, we can just, is everyone okay? We'll just start smiling again, and we'll just start moving on, right? It was incredibly healthy. How we, how we did that. And so I still remember the first time I was at Beth's house and her parents started getting an argument in front of me and it was like, I don't like this at all. I actually went out to the back garden. I was like, I just, I'm going to go outside because I just, this just makes me uncomfortable, right? And so we started developing these patterns where like in any relationship, there would be conflict and my natural reaction was to back away from it. My natural reaction, what it seemed like was I was just keeping the peace. I was just bigger than the argument. I would just sort of let her kind of have her way. None of that was true. None of that was at the core of it. What was at the core was that one day my dad came back from one of his drives and said he was leaving and not coming back, and he did. And it was one of the defining narratives of my childhood. And so every time Beth and I would start getting towards a point of conflict, there was this anxiety that just like Saul and the soldiers here with Goliath, it would lock me up and I would start paralyzing and moving back from it. And that is never good. Every time I do premarital counseling, when someone says, we've never had a fight, it's like, well, that's not healthy. That's not, it's not, it's not healthy. It means you either haven't known each other very long or one of you's lying to the other one to keep the peace, but that won't last forever. Conflict is really important in any relationship to learn to do it and do it well in order to break through in new places and to go deep. But my anxiety was just locking me up and I was avoiding it at all costs. So one day we're in this conversation and things were kind of moving to the point. I'm like, fine, I'm sorry, right? Which is the worst thing to say. Because like, sorry for what? You're like, I don't know. I just don't want to have an argument. So I'm sorry for whatever it is that has brought us to this point, right? It's terrible. It's awful. And Beth finally looked at me and said, can we reach an agreement on something? I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not walking out the door. I'm not leaving at the end of this. So can we please have this out? And it was one of the most anxiety-ridden moments I had to say, sure. But it was one of the most important things for our relationship that I've ever developed a habit in doing. I wasn't being smart 
or altruistic or peaceful or bigger than the argument or keeping things okay. I was locked in patterns of anxiety of making decisions that were harming my marriage. And while it may not seem like a great adventure to say I learned to have disagreements with my wife, it absolutely has been for me. And that almost 17 years later, when we get to that point, I still have to sit there and go, okay, God, I don't really like this, and I don't actually feel good about this, but I'm going to step in, and I'm going to trust you with where this goes. And it's been one of the most healthy and important things I've had to learn. Where are you like that? Where are those places where you are locked in patterns of worry and anxiety? And what would it mean to choose the adventure of making a different decision? What would that look like for you? Donald Miller has this wonderful image of when they crossed the country and they finally saw the Atlantic Ocean after weeks and weeks and weeks of biking. He says that when they got to Delaware and they crossed the dunes, they were all riding on their bikes and they started shouting and hollering and whooping. They rode across the beach on their bikes and all of them on their bikes rode straight into the ocean because they had finally made it to the Atlantic and they were hugging each other, they were splashing each other and they were cheering and they were crying. He says it was one of the greatest moments that he had experienced, but it wasn't the most significant. The most significant was when he picked up the phone in Portland, Oregon as an out-of-shape individual and said, I'll give the race a try. What adventure is God calling you to join him in today? Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would show us where we are like Saul, where we are like... um, like the soldiers, where we are locked in places of fear. And we ask that you would show us how we can step into the adventure of a new decision. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you like one?